Welcome to the Joseph Smith Podcast, presented by BYU Speeches, featuring more than a half century's worth of devotionals and forums exploring the prophet's life and teachings. Be sure to check out our other podcasts by searching BYU Speeches wherever you get your podcasts or by visiting speeches.byu.edu slash podcasts. I appreciate the words of your president, my good friend, and I would enjoy sitting in the corner once more, play a game of checkers with him. I appreciate the honor of meeting with you, my brethren and sisters, members of the Brigham Young University. And I sincerely trust that the Spirit of the Lord may help me in my remarks to you on this occasion. I want to say in the beginning that I'm very grateful for my membership in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I'm grateful for my parents who taught me from the earliest time I can remember that this was God's Church and that certain commandments had been given which, if I would follow, would bring happiness and joy to me through my life and would give me eternal life if I would continue on to the end. I appreciate those teachings. I appreciate the privilege I had of coming down here years ago not to speak to the student body, but as a member of the old LDS basketball team to play with some of the fine teams they had at the University of Utah then, or at the BYU, and the splendid one you have at the present time. My congratulations to this school for the splendid thing that has been done by your team. I haven't prepared, my brethren and sisters, just a written sermon. I feel humble before you. To me, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is God's Church, and it is governed by His power, the power by which He made the earth and the universe and all things that you find in them. He has given this authority to men to act in his name upon the earth. We term this authority priesthood. It is given to the male members of the Church that they may function in the government of the Church. The wonderful girls and women that we have in the Church do not hold the priesthood, but through faithfulness they are entitled to the same blessings and the same eternal life that men may have. It depends upon our faithfulness. It depends upon our obedience to the commandments of God. I am also very happy that we have received in these days further information from the Lord concerning this priesthood. 
Through revelation we understand that the priesthood was given to Adam and that he exercised dominion over the earth, had the right of ordaining to this priesthood his sons and their sons to commence the proper order of government upon this earth. Through disobedience of his children, this power in its fullness was finally taken from the earth, and we had left the lesser or ironic priesthood for many years among the children of our Heavenly Father. True it is that the higher or Melchizedek priesthood was bestowed upon the prophets who were sent among the people to call them to repentance and to bring to them the way of the Lord. We are told by the prophet Joseph that these men were ordained of the Lord, and so they held this priesthood, this power. And a careful study of the Old Testament will show to you the power that many, if not all, of these prophets had in the matter of bringing the dead to life once more, in the matter of causing the rain not to fall for three years or more, in causing other things to bring to the people an understanding, in my way of thinking, of the things that God can do and will do and the blessings he will shower upon his children if they will obey. Our Lord and Savior, when he came upon the earth, called men to help him in the establishment of his church. He ordained them and gave them power to go forth to preach the gospel, to heal the sick, and other things that were necessary, and to perform ordinances which must be performed that we may gain entrance into the kingdom of God and gain eternal life, which is the greatest gift of God to man. In the Book of Mormon, we find a similar condition. The priesthood of God was given to the prophets, and they were instructed to ordain teachers and priests among the people, and also elders, so that these men might have the power to go forth and to exercise the proper ways of bringing about eternal life. Now, my brethren and sisters, with these things before us and these records that we have, we can only come to one conclusion and that is that when the Church of God is upon the earth, that this authority will be in that Church. This same right to act in the name of God and to bring to pass eternal life. I thought it might be interesting to you this morning if I called to your attention a few things that took place in the early establishment of this church. 
It must be brief, of course. You have all had related to you many times the first vision of the Prophet Joseph. I will say I believe it and accept it with all my heart, the story that he gave when he received that first vision. I accept with all my heart the story that he told concerning the coming of Moroni and of his explanation to him concerning the peoples that had inhabited this western hemisphere because that's what the angel did during the four years that Joseph made trips to the hill Cumorah. He told him concerning the people that were on this hemisphere. I believe with all my heart that he brought forth the plates, translated them by means of the Urim and Thummim with the gift and power of God, and that we have that remarkable record because of the kindness and love our Heavenly Father has for us. While they were reading in the Book of Mormon, Joseph Smith, dictating to his clerk, Oliver Cadre, they came across the explanation as given in the Book of Mormon concerning baptism. They pondered deeply in their heart how they could be baptized, how they could receive the blessings of the Lord. And so they prayed earnestly to the Lord to give unto them this power and to explain more fully these things. I thought it might be interesting to you if I would read Oliver Cowdery's statement concerning the restoration of this lesser or ironic priesthood. The prophet Joseph has given his witness that the angel John the Baptist did come and did bestow upon him and Oliver Cowdery the ironic priesthood. Oliver Cowdery has written a most beautiful account of this <coughs> event. As I mentioned, they were earnestly seeking for this instruction. So Oliver commences, he says, This was not long desired before it was realized. The Lord, who is rich in mercy and ever willing to answer the consistent prayer of the humble, after we had called upon him in a fervent manner, aside from the abodes of men condescended to manifest to us his will. On a sudden, as from the midst of eternity, the voice of the Redeemer spake peace to us. While the veil was parted, and an angel of God came down clothed with glory, and delivered the anxiously looked-for message, and the keys of the gospel of repentance. What joy, what wonder, what amazement! While the world were racked and distracted, while millions were groping as the blind for a wall, and while all men were resting upon uncertainty as a general mass, our eyes beheld, our ears heard, and in the blaze of day, yes, more, above the glitter of the May sunbeam, which then <clears throat> shed its brilliancy over the face of nature, then his voice, though mild, 
pierced to the center in his words, I am thy fellow servant, dispelled every fear. We listened, we gazed, we admired. T'was the voice of the angel from glory. T'was a message from the Most High. And as we heard, we rejoiced, while his love enkindled upon our souls. And we were wrapped in the vision of the Almighty. Where was there room for doubt? Nowhere. Uncertainty had fled. Doubt had sunk. No more to rise. While fiction and deception had fled forever. Dear brother, think further for a moment. What joy filled our hearts. And what surprise we have bowed. We must have bowed. For who would not have bowed the knee for such a blessing? When we received under his hand the holy priesthood, as he said, Upon you, my fellow servants, in the name of Messiah, I confer this priesthood and this authority. I shall not attempt to paint to you the feelings of this heart, nor the majestic beauty and glory which surrounded us on this occasion. But you will believe me when I say that earth nor men, with the eloquence of time, cannot begin to clothe language in as interesting and sublime a manner as this holy personage. Nor, no, nor has this earth power to give the joy, to bestow the peace, or comprehend the wisdom which was contained in each sentence as they were delivered by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man may deceive his fellow man, deception may follow deception, and the children of the wicked one may have power to, to seduce the foolish and untaught, till not but fiction feeds the many, and the fruit of falsehood carries in its current the giddy to the grave. But one touch with the finger of his love, yes, one ray of his glory, from the upper world or one word from the mouth of the Savior, from the bosom of eternity strikes it all into insignificance and blots it forever from the mind. The assurance that we were in the presence of an angel, the certainty that we heard the voice of Jesus, and the truth unsullied as it flowed from a pure personage dictated by the will of God is to me past description. And I shall ever look upon this expression of the Savior's goodness with wonder and thanksgiving while I am permitted to tarry, and in those mansions where perfection dwells and sin never comes. I hope to adore in that day which shall never cease. Following the receiving of the Aaronic priesthood by these two men, they were commanded by the angel to baptize each other. And they went into the water of the Susquehanna River, and Joseph Smith baptized Oliver Cowdery, and then Oliver Cowdery baptized Joseph Smith. And then when they came up out of the water, the angel told them to ordain each other to the priesthood they had received. And then he gave to them another very important instruction. He said to them, I am acting under the direction of Peter, James, and John. And he will, they will later bring to you the higher priesthood. These men then received the right to preach the gospel, the right to baptize, the right to receive ministering of angels, 
But that was as far as that authority went. It did not have the right to organize the church of Jesus Christ upon the earth. It did not have the right to confirm and give the Holy Ghost upon the baptized believer. It did not have the right to ordain elders, seventies, or any of the higher priesthood offices upon mankind. And so these brethren waited until the time came that they might receive the Melchizedek priesthood. I do not know the day nor the year exactly. We know it was in 29, but we can't give you the month nor the day. It has been recorded, as Brother Oliver Cowdery says. They were meeting on one occasion at the home of Joseph Smith Sr. in Kirtland. And while there, Joseph Smith, Oliver Cowdery, Sidney Rigdon, and Frederick G. Williams laid their hands upon the head of Joseph Smith Sr. by commandment of God and gave to him the patriarchal office to the church. Brother Cowdery, in making just as I've taken a note of this thing, he mentions the fact that Joseph Smith Sr. told them many things, and he recorded just a lot of things, but this is one. Speaking after recording the story of the restoration of the Aaronic priesthood, he says, After this we received the high and holy priesthood, but an account of this will be given elsewhere or in another place written by my own hand at the time, being the 18th day of December, 1833, and I know them to be correct and according to the mind of the Lord. So somewhere was written the story of the restoration of the Melchizedek priesthood to these two brethren. Some few years ago, a gentleman came into my office, and he said, Mr. Lund, I have been studying for a number of years the gospel as taught by your church. And I came to the conclusion that it was absolutely correct until I discovered you didn't have the date nor the exact place that the Melchizedek priesthood was restored. Therefore, you are not the church of God. I said, do you call that good logic? He says, I do. I said, if you do, then Jesus Christ did not organize the church when he was upon the earth, for you cannot find the place nor the date when he ordained the apostles and gave them authority to go forth and preach in his power. They did receive it. They testified to it. And they did write an account of it. I've tried for over 40 years to find that account, but I haven't found it. I hope someday I may. It may turn up. We never know. For many years we didn't know that Martin Harris ever received payment for the $3,000 that he loaned the Prophet Joseph to print the Book of Mormon. But a few years ago I found a statement definitely written that they gave him 63 acres 
of land for that loan that they had made. So perhaps this may turn up sometime. Oliver Cowdery left the church. He was excommunicated from the church. But in all my reading, I've never found where he became bitter toward the church. He disagreed. And while he was out of the church, he practiced law, was an honorable man. And it's interesting if we could read some of the things which Oliver Cowdery has written about the church while he was away from the church. Let me read you just a paragraph that I copied from one of his letters to Phineas Young. Phineas Young, by the way, was his brother-in-law. He says, I have cherished a hope, and that one of my fondest, that I might leave such a character as those who might believe in my testimony after I should be called hence, might do so, not only for the sake of the truth, but might not blush for the character of the man who bore that testimony. I have been sensitive on this subject. I admit, but I ought to be so. You would be under the same circumstances had you stood in the presence of John with our departed brother Joseph to receive the lesser priesthood and in the presence of Peter to receive the greater and look down through time and witness the effects these two must produce. That was written when Brother Oliver was out of the church. He never denied the fact that he had received the priesthood of God and that he himself had left the church. On one occasion, President Young, or he wrote President Young in 1847, spring of 1847, and he asked permission to come with them to the valley. But he was taken ill and was unable to come to winter quarters until the fall of 1848. He came when they were holding conference on the 21st day of October of that year. And he came into the conference and he asked permission to speak. And he spoke and his words have been taken down as best they could in longhand at that time. And he gave a wonderful talk to the people. In conclusion, he said that he wanted to come back into the church and be a doorkeeper was all he desired, only to be a member. I've written down just one paragraph of what he said. I was present with Joseph when an holy angel from God came from heaven and conferred on us or restored the lesser or ironic priesthood and said to us at the same time that it should remain upon the earth while the earth stands. I was also present with Joseph when the higher or Melchizedek priesthood was conferred by holy angels from on high. This priesthood we then conferred on each other by the will and commandment of God. This priesthood, as was then declared, is also to remain upon the earth until the last remnant of time. This holy priesthood or authority we then conferred upon many, and it is just as good and valid as though God had done it in person. That was the last testimony we have recorded of Oliver Cowdery.
He was baptized on the 12th day of November of 1848 into the church. Then he went back to his home in Richmond, Missouri, to prepare to go on a mission, was taken ill, and died on the 3rd of March, 1850. So whatever he may have said while he was out of the church is all forgotten, forgiven, and he joined the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints and died in full fellowship. To me, it's a remarkable testimony to us as young people in the church that this man, who went through so much with the Prophet Joseph for a number of years, testified always of the truthfulness of what he had seen in regard to the Book of Mormon and in regard to the holy priesthood which he received. Now we have given to us in the 84th section of the Doctrine and Covenants a very important statement. It shows how priesthood was handed down. You remember in reading that that Moses, we are told, received the priesthood from Jethro and Jethro from Caleb, Caleb from Elihu, Elihu from Gad, Gad from Jeremy, and Jeremy from Esaias, who received it from the hand of God. And then it tells how Abraham received his priesthood through the fathers, or from Melchizedek, who received it through the fathers till Noah, who received it through the fathers to Abel, who received it from his father Adam, who was the first man. So we have there a pattern that was given early in the giving of priesthood one to another. The same pattern that Moses did when he gave the authority and power to Joshua to succeed him as the leader of Israel. Now when Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery had received the priesthood of God, they were told by the angels who came to them that they were to organize his church. And on that day, when they had sufficient people who accepted their message to vote to sustain them as the first and second elder of the church, then they should ordain each other elders. And then the Lord revealed they should be ordained high priests. And then the first presidency was organized. And then the apostles and then the seventies. So that these organizations, these quorums of priesthood were organized in the church, which include the bishops of wards, the presidents of stake, the high council, the auxiliary heads, except of the women's organization, hold the priesthood of God to guide and direct this church according to the will of God. Shortly before Joseph Smith died, he called the apostles together, which he did on many occasions, but this was a special occasion. And we have the testimony of Brigham Young, of Wilfred Woodruff, of Orson Pratt, and of others that he gave to them 
certain keys and certain rights and certain powers. I won't read only the testimony of Parley P. Pratt. He says, This great and good man was led before his death to call the twelve together from time to time and to instruct them in all things pertaining to the kingdom, ordinances and government of God. He often observed that he was laying the foundation, but it remained for the twelve to complete the building. Said he, I know not why, but for some reason I am constrained to hasten my preparations and to confer upon the twelve all the ordinances, keys, covenants, endowments, sealing ordinances of the priesthood, and so set before them a pattern in all things pertaining to the sanctuary and the endowment therein. Having done this, he rejoiced exceedingly. For, said he, the Lord is about to lay the burden on your shoulders, and let me rest a while. And if they kill me, continued he, the kingdom of God will roll on, as I have now finished the work which was laid upon me by committing to you all things for the building up of the kingdom according to the heavenly vision and the pattern shown me from heaven. With many conversations like this, he comforted the minds of the twelve and prepared them for what was soon to follow. He proceeded to confer on Elder Young, the president of the twelve, the keys of the sealing power, as conferred in the last days by the spirit and power of Elijah, in order to seal the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest the whole earth should be smitten with the curse. <clears throat> this last key of the priesthood is the most sacred of all and pertains exclusively to the first presidency of the church, without whose sanction and approval and authority no sealing blessing shall be administered pertaining to things of the resurrection and the life to come. A marvelous testimony of Brother Pratt. Almost similar words used by these other brethren I've mentioned that they received from the Prophet Joseph all the things which he had. <clears throat> I can't tell you the power that he held. But if you read in section 128, you'll find that he was administered to, he and Oliver, and received all the things that were held by the heads of every dispensation from Adam down, holding all power, all keys, all rights to perform every ordinance and ceremony necessary for eternal life. Baptism by immersion, the reception by the laying on of hands of the Holy Ghost, is the entrance into the church of Jesus Christ. But there are other ordinances which pertain to eternal life, ordinances that we as members of this church and we as the children of God ought to prize higher than anything in all the world. Nothing equals those things. We receive them in the temple of God. We receive them there when we go in and receive the endowment, that which will give us the power to pass the angels who stand as the sentinels at the gateway of heaven. It gives us the power 
to act in all these things that are necessary for our eternal salvation. In the temple is the sealing of a wife to a husband. The children of that union born in the covenant of God, children of the covenant, with the rights and blessings promised that were given to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the greatest blessings that God could give to mankind, come from this sealing of wife to husband and children born in the covenant if they are faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is all based upon that. These were the things that were given by the prophet Joseph on the fourth day of May, 1842, in the upper room of his store. He gave to these men these ordinances in their completeness in that room. When the Novo Temple was opened, the same ordinances were given then as are given now. The same covenants, the same blessings of promise are given to those who will go into the temple of our God. The privilege given to you and to me to act as saviors to those of our relatives who have never had a chance to receive the gospel of Jesus Christ. We may be baptized for them. We may receive the priesthood for them. We may, that is for the male members, we may receive the endowment for them and be sealed for them and their children sealed. Then if they accept of that, they have an equal chance with us to go on to exaltation. And that is the thing that I'd like to call to your attention for a minute. No man alone can be exalted. No woman alone can be exalted. It takes the two together, as Peter says, that the grace of God might be fulfilled in their behalf. And so the sealing power, this wonderful blessing that has been given to us. Now some have said, Brigham Young was not set apart and given the right to be the president of the church. That's not true, my brethren and sisters. He was. On the 5th day of December, 1847, we're told that the apostles gave him the right to preside over the church and choose his counselors. Read section 105. Read the verse where it says, The duty of the twelve is to set apart and ordain all the other officers of the church. No one else has a right to ordain the president of this church except the apostles. No one else has that right. And it's been done always, from Brigham Young down to President George Albert Smith, having been ordained of those men whom God appointed to ordain and bring this presidency to the earth through whom God reveals. And only through him does God reveal things for this church. Men have gone away, like Sherem the Antichrist, when he came to Jacob and he says, Brother Jacob, I've long wanted to talk to you and so on. So they come in our midst today. Brother so-and-so, sister so-and-so, the church is out of order. The first presidency haven't the power. I want to leave witness with you that the first presidency have the power. They hold the keys of government. They hold the keys of sealing. 
They hold the keys of every blessing that Joseph Smith received of God. May our Heavenly Father bless you and give to you his spirit that you may understand these things which the church of Jesus Christ teaches and which you are learning are the way to everlasting life and exaltation is my prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. You've been listening to the Joseph Smith Podcast presented by BYU Speeches. Please check out our other podcasts of recent speeches, classic speeches, and BYU Speeches compilations on love and marriage, overcoming adversity, by study and by faith. Come follow me and Jesus Christ, our Savior and Redeemer. Go to speeches.byu.edu and click on podcasts for more information. You can also find all BYU Speeches podcasts at your preferred podcast provider.